Well, good afternoon, everybody. It's another conversation with Agility by Nature, and uh, it's me, Ian Gill, hosting again. I know. I had a very interesting weekend last weekend. Uh, I was given a birthday present. It was a bit late. My birthday is actually in October, but I could tell immediately it was a book. It was a big old book as well. I opened it with some uh, enthusiasm and saw it was a copy of Karl Marx's Capital. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Um, that's a bit of it. And then there's a note saying, we got given this by mistake and we are the only person we could think of who might even possibly read it. So I don't know if I was insulted or complimented. It's a big book, ladies and gentlemen. And I thought about how long will it take me to read it? And I thought, how long did it take to write it? Because it is a big book. And I read the first chapter, just introduction, and it took years. Today's guest knows all about writing books. He's got three already under his belt. He's got another one that he's well, revising one already. Um, today's guest is the lovely Mike Burrows. How are you, Mike? I'm great, thank you. Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. More than welcome. So, um, Mike, we're going to talk about books pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, you know, you're well known in the agile lean community very well esteemed you're a great contributor you are the wholehearted leader of the agenda shift <laughs> i love that word i'm going to say it a few words it's just such a simple wonderful word um you've got a great career starting with a huge reservoir of experience of software development product management global it director roles it's fantastic moving much more into consulting you work with some great consulting firms i can see uh and you know, you're very well known. I know, because you've shared with me, that you've written three books. You've got Kanban from the inside, which I know. Yeah, that was the first one. Yeah. That's the first one. And a lot of my friends rave about that in a good way. Um, Agenda Shift <laughs> came outcome oriented change in 2018. Right to Left came out in 2019. Now, but you're revising already Agenda Shift. And I know you're a busy guy. And I know books do not, <laughs> do not come easily. And I know it's a big revision. I mean, how much revision are you doing to, to agenda shift? It's I wouldn't say, a rewrite would be a slight exaggeration, but I, there are some chapters that I've written from scratch. There's a new rewritten from scratch. There's a, a new um, final uh, additional final chapter. Uh, the introduction I wrote from from scratch, you know, um, and all the other chapters significantly revised. So it's it's a new edition, not just a, re, a, a revision. Um, yeah. So what's what shaped what's impulse uh, what's the impulse to, to to redo agenda shift? I mean, effectively redo agenda shift. I mean, at the beginning of the process, um, you know, even a year ago, I realised that you know we've just sort of moved on enough, even in just two or three years, to to warrant it. And you know, agenda shift is kind of the the, the book of the community, the book of the workshop, the book that describes all the tools that we've um, issued and so on. And it kind of needed to be a bit more up to date than it was. Um, but that that was just the start of it, and there were some other things that happened sort of um, around us that um, made it even more imperative. And, and then there's the whole, you know, just 2020 has been, you know, obviously a crazy year. Um, you know, it's it, in some ways um, it also created the perfect environment for it. So, you know, we are iterating very rapidly, learning how to do things online, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, also, you know, working from home and actually the space to write at home has been uh, really, really welcome as well. Yeah. Um, and so that's the that's sort of big picture context to it. And there's, there's some, some smaller things as well. So I've, obviously two books came out in quite quick succession. So I did a gender shift in 2018 and right to left in 2019. And actually, the audio book of Right to Left, the beginning of this year, right when lockdown started. Um, but they they are kind of companions to each other. So uh, when I wrote Agenda Shift, I could so easily have talked about a lot of lean agile stuff. Yeah. And yeah. it would have sort of clouded the original or the main message of the book, which is about it's really about change and transformation yeah. um, and the, uh, the process and practice of that. How can we do that in a way that's different from the you know, sort of the linear project style that was sort of popularized in the 90s, but seems such a, for me, such a clash with agile values. Um, and and also we know it doesn't work, you know, <laughs> or at least, the, you know, the track, the track record of change projects we know is pretty appalling. It's, is it um, worse than IT projects, frankly? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I have a little catchphrase, actually, you know, where you, you can't upgrade your organization like you upgrade your email server. You know, there's two very different kinds of challenges. Yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, smarter people than me, you know, 
crystallize it you know high fets for example the uh, the adaptive challenge versus the technical challenge you know if you're into complexity you you, you know that, that's kind of dividing the world into two but there are various models that uh, that divide the uh, you know the world into into more uh, shall I say domains than that yeah. um but anyway um there's kind of two the need for two separate books so clarity about the about the change bit that was going to be an agenda shift with um as little as I could get away with of things that were ex very explicitly lean agile, but obviously written from written very much with lean agile sensibilities. And I've already said, you know, the sort of culture clash between linear change management and agile was a real problem. So I've got to make sure that we do things in a way that are true to lean and agile values. Um, so I, I, I wrote a gender shift knowing that I could just not worry about that stuff for the moment. And then right to left, started writing that and the whole right to left thing, you know, Got people interested. You know, the idea is it, what, it, what right to left means is taking a very outcome oriented stance, whatever you're looking at, whether it's looking at the change process or looking at the lean agile landscape. And it led to a way of putting into words how to be pluralistic about, um, about things like frameworks, for example, you know, how not to, you know, how to get away from that, you know, one size fits all framework view of the just framework centric view of the world and in, into a world where. Frameworks are still fantastic resources, but we see them as, as um, resources of, um, of patterns that can be combined in interesting ways. Um, and it kind of, it just resonated really well with my own personal experience. You know, even despite writing, I, know, I made my name writing a Kanban book, and yet, you know, the, the middle third of the book was all about everything else you should know that wasn't Kanban. You know, it's a, kind of been a pluralist for, yeah. for a long time in, in, that, in that regard. Um, but it reflected also my time in government digital, you know, um, you know, in a team of, say, a bit bigger than a typical Scrum team, perhaps, you know, perhaps 15 people. But, you know, we were doing a bit of Scrum, a bit of Kanban, a bit of DevOps, a yeah. bit, uh, bit of Lean Startup, you know, all, all these things in the mix. And, you know, the, uh, you know, the balance shifted from, you know, between those things in terms of what our main concerns were at the time. Um, but I learned to actually, that's when I really, really learned actually to appreciate Scrum. You know, just, you know, despite coming from a Kanban background, yeah. you know, in a government background, delivering something in two weeks is amazing. <laughs> or at least, you know, at least, at least a few years ago, that was amazing. And then do it again, you know, uh, two yeah, weeks later, right. amazing, you know, and so on. And, and those sort of amazing moments, you know, um, sprint by sprint, something really, really powerful. I think that's um, but yeah, um, Scrum doesn't always get that credit for that. No, bring that delivery uh, cadence and that energy. Uh, and obviously, we have to be careful of sustainable pace, and uh, yeah. uh, and it doesn't just become a project slog. I mean, no, different mind. But no, some can inject energy. Well, that's actually that's the whole. Actually, this is where right to left comes in again. You know, I right. actually think there are two kinds of scrum. You know, right. there's the plowing through a backlog kind of scrum. That's left to right, starting on the left with the inputs to the to the process. Yes. And there's right to left scrum, which is much more about iteration in the technical sense of iteration, pursuing our objectives goal by goal. Yes. Um, and that puts a very different spin on it. You know? And was, it, was, it was a privilege to work on those projects. You know, they had a very clear idea of their goals, amazing empathy for the user and so on. And start with needs, as you know, is principle yeah. number one in government digital and it's for a genocide as well. I just shamelessly stole it. Um, Whereas now starts and finish with needs. Um, because, you know, um, anyone can justify a project based on needs, but actually paying attention to it right the way through the process. And, and working backwards from that and aligning the process to your ability to meet those needs really well and so on is really game-changing, I think. Um, you know, I lived that experience in government without having the words to actually explain it, perhaps. Um, but, you know, in, in, you know, in a time to reflect on it, you know, that's, that's in the end how I came up with it. And actually, uh, this is, without wishing to sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet, I think it's important. You know, I think Agile is actually killing itself. Uh, right, that's right. a left to right view of agile is so unhealthy it's so unagile yeah. um you know and it's it's lazy when we we explain it that way yes um and you know we do we do it damage and that's very very unfortunate you know you can't achieve a paradigm shift if you stick with the language of the old paradigm or <laughs> 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 the perspective of the old paradigm yeah it was funny because someone rang me up uh, a good friend of mine she, she's not an agile practitioner but she said i've been approached got to do a change program they want to become agile and i went oh yes nice um and she said so they want to get a project to do agile and i went uh-huh 
and I was just listening to it and I thought, yeah. uh -huh, that you're using the tools to bring your organization to a new place that are from the old place. And she yeah. Went, yeah, how do I get around that? So, yes. <laughs> and, and there starts the battle almost straight yes. away, isn't it? Yes. I mean, I, I experienced that even in my Kanban days. And I think Kanban, to its credit, is quite self-consistent in terms of it is, in a way, its own implementation method. Yes. Yeah, uh, if yeah. you look at the principles and practices. Uh, yeah, when I, when I, I'm, not, I'm no longer a Kanban trainer, but I, when I was, Pick was doing private training or private consulting, and you realised that half the people in the room didn't know why they were there. Right. And some of the some of the rest wish they weren't, you know. And and you know, it's the realization that some really important conversations haven't yet happened. Yeah. And uh, that is really where agenda shift starts. You know, it's about it's about understanding what we want to achieve as an organization. And actually, they are. It's actually really empowering because you're what what we're actually doing is teaching practitioners how to have strategic conversations. You know, and. Uh, you know, um, you know, we don't have to be boxed into team level process and practice type things. You know, yeah. we can have an impact um, much, much more broadly, much more organizationally than that. Um, you know, and that's really powerful stuff. You know, we're bringing together, you know, what we knew about delivery, you know, and all, all the great, fantastic tools from Lean and Agile for that with strategy and organization development. And, um, you know, and what's been really cool in the last few years is, is it's attracted people from each of those areas. Um, so people from the OD world yeah. are getting into it to up their agile game. Uh, people like people like me who, are, you know, I've, obviously I've worked at different levels in organisations. Um, I wouldn't say maybe, maybe even weakness is the right word, you know, but get developing being more deliberate, shall we say, about strategy has been really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and anything I do, I have to get it to a level where I can teach it to other people. So I have to, you know, if I if I say I'm doing something, I'm doing it pretty seriously. Yeah. So when I, I mean, I went to the agendasmith.com uh, website, uh, which yeah. is monstrously huge. <laughs> it's just, it's just got so much in it. I was a little bit, whoa, I, had, I literally sort of sat back thinking, my goodness, there's lots, there's lots of tools, there's lots of downloads, there's lots of references, there's lots of cross-references, your books, your books are in there, of course, go there, buy the books. Um, and, and when we talked about it before, you said there's so much in there and I borrow things and I've got some new stuff in there. I've got some old stuff. I've got Lean, I've got Agile, I've got Impact Mapping and Kinefin. And I thought, goodness gracious, is it? And I was wondering, so if as a newbie or if someone just listens to say, I'd like to get some of that agenda shifting, I want yeah. that outcome driven. Is it learning all of these techniques or is it learning how to fuse them together? I mean, is it a chocolate box that we're, we're choosing from or is it a welded together, you start here, or start there and work your way through it. I'm, I was just wondering how we've we actually, I've actually put that into a picture. There's a, a picture which has got like the you know the kernel of a gender shift in the middle, boiled down to just two patterns, and then around it all the different sort of bodies of knowledge and tools and things that that we that we reference. Um, and what I found is that if you're really serious about outcomes, it, it, it puts a fresh perspective on all those other things. So, you know, whether it's lean or OD or strategy or systems thinking or whatever, yeah. whatever it might be. Um, and we don't put all we're not cramming those into our box. You know, that's very unfair on those other things. They exist in their own right. You know, and even it's like my definition of, of lean agile um, is uh, celebrating lean and agile separately and together. You know, they, they each stand on their own two feet, but they complement each other hugely. Um, and, uh, you know, in some ways, we're a, a gateway drug to other things. You know, I mean, <laughs> Genesis has been described as a gateway drug to clean language, for example. You know, so a lot of our, um, you know, the, the tools for encouraging those, you know, to help the organization have the conversation with itself that it needs to have and, and, and to make those really outcome oriented. I, you know, I need some, I needed to understand what are the tools out there yeah. that are really good for, for sort of, Navigating the landscape of, and how we describe it now, navigating the landscape of needs, obstacles, and outcomes. Um, I mean, you can't just pluck outcomes from the air, you know, um, and actually the easiest way to find them often, often is to see them, is to realize that they hide behind obstacles, you know, and uh, you know, if you can identify the obstacles, yeah. um, you can find the outcomes. Um, but you need to know which obstacles are important as well. So you've got to have, you've got to articulate some, you know, there's got to be some mission, some purpose, some ideal, that uh, that helps make the obstacles make sense. So there's this this landscape that we are we're, we're navigating, 
at lots of level, levels of detail and you've got your aspirational things you've got the itty bitty outcomes that you know might follow from with just one experiment or, or whatever um but there are some really great tools there for for navigating that you know conversationally uh, and clean language has some great uh, is, is a great tool um, can you explain what you mean by clean language the clean language um it, it's what it's like uh, it's, there's two main tools that we borrow from uh, that, that, that the coaching world has borrowed from the therapy world right. um, i mean there are, there are there are many but uh, the two that I, I focus on clean language and solutions focus so uh, clean language is a really clever idea um and the idea is what if we ask questions that don't that aren't burdened by the assumptions of the person asking the questions. Yeah. Um, and that's, what's, that's what we mean by clean, not polluted by assumptions. Um, and actually help you ask a, ask, you know, carry on a conversation, you know, with a stance of curiosity, finding out what's in the other person's mind rather than trying to, you know, like teach people through questioning. Um, so, you know, it's kind of different to, for example, Socratic questioning. Yes. Um, so I mean, I'll give you a little example, my, my sort of my, my uh, back pocket example. Uh, suppose we were going to meet next week, or I hoped we would meet next week. Um, and then you tell me you're on holiday um, in the middle of lockdown. Uh, and I say, where are you going? And you say, no, we're on lockdown. Or I say, um, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm taking my cat to the vet or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, suppose instead I'd asked, well, what kind of holiday? You know, so. Um, where are you going implies that the answer should be a location, and that's the only that's the only kind of answer that uh, that, it, that, that it could have been, and that's the one I expect. Whereas, what kind of holiday opens up a whole range of possibilities, yeah, yeah. some of which may be geographical, but some could be, you know, in terms of um, you know what what leisure pursuits you're going to be, you know, <laughs> occupied in, or or whatever. So, um, so that's. Um, so, so these, these, these very open questions, they are actually surprisingly focusing. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, what they don't do is they don't put words in people's mouths. So that helps build up, helps the client build up in their own minds, the sort of model of, of that, that landscape. And you're just helping them you know, find, their, find their way about it and perhaps re realize things they hadn't realized before and so on in, in the process. And what I did is sort of 40 or 50, well-known clean questions uh, and I curated a very short small subset of them which are particularly useful for navigating uh, obstacles and outcomes with and turn it into a game 15 minute photo um, yes, photo being from obstacles to outcomes pretty, pretty straightforward um, but uh, so that's that gets, that's navigating that mainly that sort of obstacles to outcomes bit there's the uh, the ideal bit as well so uh, challenge mapping why is that important you know that tends to take you towards needs it tends to take you towards the ideal the more the more you ask that kind of question um, from solutions focus the miracle question you know if i took the obstacle away overnight you don't know how i've done it waved my magic wand whatever yeah um, what's the first sign that would tell you something interesting is happening the first sign that something has changed. Um, and we're kind of teaching people to look for the small things as well as articulate the big aspirations because that's how they find solutions. And, it, it, you know, you get more things into the air um, and, you, and, you, and you can solve, your, you know, solve things, you know, one step at a time and so on. Um, great. So, so there's, there's all these fantastic bodies of knowledge out there, clean solutions focused and so on. Um, and we, um, we, we, we apply them in the context of uh, ideal obstacles and outcomes, the ideal uh, pattern. That's one of the two patterns I mentioned. Um, and we are at the same time doing, having conversations with a real business purpose and also opening the door to these other bodies of knowledge and getting other people interested in things. So, you know, some people have read my book and, and uh, said, oh, wow, uh, great book. And now I've gone off to do something completely different because you've inspired me to look at, uh, you know, I, I, you inspired me to look at clean language and, that, and then inspired me to look at, look at something else, you know, and I love that. You know, if I'm a gateway drug to something else outside of a gender shift, that is completely fine. We know what we're about and we absolutely celebrate, respect the, all the, you know, all the things that have inspired us along the way. I, I, I love that story, actually. And, and, and actually, in, in the days when I used to do a little bit of coaching, I would never have never a master like your good self but the, the joy of doing the work was always people say would say i could never go back i could never yeah. go back to doing it that way and it has changed the way they look at 
their work, but also look at themselves and they, yes. they do great things. Yes. And it's one of the joys, the, uh, yes. one of the great joys. I'm actually more, it's fair to say, I'm actually more a um, consultant and a facilitator than I am, uh, and perhaps trainer. Yeah. Perhaps, probably in that order. Right, okay. Uh, than, I am, than I am coach. Um, and, and kind of the point there is that there are some teachable skills here. Mm. Uh, and when we're playing 15-minute photo, it's not me asking, the, I should make it clear, it's not me asking the questions. You know, we, we do it as a game, you know, and it might be games in table groups or games in breakout rooms on Zoom, and they are doing it with each other. Um, and so we are, you know, we are in that way, you know, beginning to teach the language of outcomes to, you know, to the people that, that we're working with. My goal is really a really quite ambitious one, you know, to change, to change the language of the organization, to change the discourse of the, of, of the organization to one that's much more um, readily speaking about outcomes and not doing the old lazy thing of, you know, the first solution that we think of is what we're going to do. Yes. Yeah, um, or the, the solution that was agreed on the golf course is what we're going to do, which is even worse, you know. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, we talked about language a lot. and I, I, so I, I have noticed there's some things that have been probably, I've heard a lot more left, uh, left to right. Yeah. you hear that a lot more yeah I mean, you just have to look at how scrum is normally explained to realize that it, you know, we do it by by habit yeah. um, i'm not uh blaming people so much as um pointing out the harm that it's doing and hoping that people can find find a better way of doing it and yeah. if they find a better metaphor than left to right and right to left well fantastic um yeah, absolutely yeah. but i think it's getting into the right place and the other word we've mentioned it outcomes quite a few times the word yes. used a lot and parlayed around a lot was values yes value but now we're seeing uh outcome is that shift is that a shift yeah i mean um it, it's a little bit of a shift so um we just kind of go back to going back to the beginning now um so Cameron from the inside published in 2014 uh, about 18 months after on uh, new year's holiday of 2013 <laughs> Uh, I published a blog, uh, I wrote a blog post, I might have published it a couple of days into January, but um, introducing Kanban through its values, um, a blog post that even to this day is one of my most widely read. Um, and, and, and it originated the Kanban values model, you know, transparency, balance, collaboration, and so on. And it helped to frame Kanban, uh, which was seen as a, you know, something for the tool heads for, for a while, um, as something a lot more humane. Yeah. Uh, and based on some fundamental values and so on, um, that that post just post just went mental. I've never experienced anything like it. Go 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 as ballistic as that, um, and um, I, it, it's just a great way. You're, you're abstracting something from something concrete. You know, values are more abstract. Explain, they, they they abstract from the from the concrete, but they have a they explain why something's important. Um, and, um, you know, I, I realized that was a really powerful way to integrate things. And, yeah. you know, when I came to write the book, I realized that um, once I'm talking about a value, I've actually got a lot of room for maneuver. I can talk about anything that's related to that value, that, you know, whether or not it's directly about the, you know, the practice or the, or the principle. Um, and I made full, full use of that, you know, that, uh, that latitude in, in, in the book. Um, but it very much was a way to teach the method. Yes. Yeah. Um, and where I'm going to now is, you know, help, it, you know, it comes back again and again and again uh, to these conversations these organizations need to be having, you know, before they embark on a method rollout, you know, one one context, but actually all the time, or not well, all the time might be a little, a little bit of an exaggeration, but, you know, um, frequently teams and larger organizational units up to the organization itself needs to affirm the direction that it's going in or find a new one. Yeah, there are conversations that need to happen, and um, you know, and we, you know, we've been developing the tools to help organisations do that, and then to follow through on that. You know, it's not enough just to have a great workshop and then go back to the way you were before. You know, you've got to, you've got to know what to do next with with all of that. And, and, and that was something that was on my mind actually. I mean, there's a lot of. That's um, that's what happens. We say, please don't phone me. That's my business partner, please don't phone me between three and four. <laughs> I'm expecting my wife to apply at any moment with the dog now. Uh, so, it, sorry, um, coming back to what I was about to say is so often I've seen the great workshops 
there's always the energy, the enthusiasm, and then the people go back to the large organization and it's just like the energy dissipates after about week two. Uh, how's you as the expert, as a consultant, it's not just about the classroom, it's how about we move these organizations, um, wholehearted organizations to become wholehearted. Is it, you've got to start at the top, of, do you have a way of going through it? How do you approach the organization? Well, my part there's a, a very helpful clue in in the in the full title of the agenda shift book so agenda shift uh, outcome oriented change and continuous transformation and it's the continuous bit that's very interesting because uh, if something's continuous it doesn't it doesn't have an end yep um you know you kind of have to start somewhere but actually you, you can have as many beginnings as you as you need um and uh that's something you can certainly put to good use um helps you not to think of it as, as an overly linear process yeah um but the the thing about it running out of steam you know in whether it's two months two weeks or two months is actually a really important one and i long observed that um you know continuous improvement initiatives run out of steam very quickly uh, i thought that was interesting um i often see people complaining that scrum retrospectives run out of steam very quickly and, and that also is interesting and um you know, and it always felt to me that the response that if we're we're not doing retrospectives is because they're not fun enough is the wrong is the wrong response. You know, perhaps they're not meaningful enough. Um, and um, so I started to look at things like accountability and and so on. Um, but before anyone thinks I'm knocking Scrum, there's something they get really right, and that's the you know the idea of the, the you know the sprint being the container for work. Yes. But it also needs to be the container for change. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, if there's if there was this, if if we treated change like real work, um, then then Scrum would take you quite a long way of the way the way there. Now, it doesn't Scrum doesn't say anything like enough about the organisation or enough about strategy to serve my needs yeah. entirely. But that idea of being a regular cadence of um, reflection and learning and all the rest of it is, is super important. So. Um, that's um, you know that that's that's something we've been that the second edition emphasised. It was there in the first edition, but it, there's much more emphasis given it to in the second. Is making sure you have that container. It's the expectation that learning is going to have to be accounted for. Right now, if that expectation is there, it's an organisational expectation that you, that account learning is going to be accounted for. Um, you, there's a good chance that learning will actually happen in in that instance. And then second, design those reflection points such that you do actually get the multiple levels of learning that, that, that are there. Yeah. You're not just learning the facts that you learned about the outside world or about yourself, but you know, asking yourself, well, why did we ask that question in the first place? You know, what were we thinking? You know, um, and that's sort of double loop learning in the in the jargon. But you know, the kind of learning that will actually you know begin to challenge challenge assumptions, um, challenge the way we think. You know. Um, you know challenge all the things that that made us go down a path that perhaps wasn't quite as smart as we thought at, at the time and that's and that's really how you achieve lasting lasting learning so i i um i should mention other inspiration but i love to i love i love sharing the, the the love out to other models really um open space agility um so that that's a you know brings together agile and open space and I thought for a while the clever thing about it was that it used open space, and we, and we know how well open space scales. Um, then I realised that the real trick is that it uses open space more than once. You know, and actually, but you, you're creating that container thing again. Uh, you know, and so, you know, everyone knows there's going to be another open space, <laughs> and that's an open space we want to be a good one. And it's not the one I'm going to be sitting in on the edge edges looking like a lemon. You know, it's one where. Um, where you know it's going to be good to participate, you know, and that's that that that, that changes things, um. So that's you know that's another, you know, so that, that this whole thing is going to be given a lot more lot more emphasis the second time round, and and thinking about all the opportunities there are to do things that we undervalue, think are mundane, and actually amazing opportunities for thinking organisationally. Who we invite to a meeting, for example, is an you can think of as an act of organisation design. If you're going to invite, going to invite people on a regular basis to a meeting, you are beginning to create structure that perhaps didn't exist before. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's there's some fascinating stuff happening out in the OD community, dialogic and generative OD um, stuff that you know Daniel Mezik's doing and, and and his and his collaborators in the 
open space agility space and so on you know we we uh, you know we're learning off each other you know there's ongoing conversations happening between different communities and uh, it's 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 in in that space it's an you know exciting time to be alive you know, should, we, should, you know we could say you know um kind of take, takes us back to the you know the early days of agile when we were working out what agile meant and what was the agile way of doing this yeah, that yeah, and the other yeah. um and we're being a bit more careful about you know not just slapping an agile label on the front of it and, and the first thing we thought of um and instead digging deep to find some real foundations um and again that's that's another reason for the second edition you know we, we i think we've dug deep enough to um you know to find those foundations you know i've done a ton and ton of reading you wouldn't believe how many thousands of pages i've read have you read marks um, uh, sorry have you read the marks book i have not read the marks book no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, see, I seem to keep coming back to the 70s you know so i've you know um yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Servant, servant leadership I, you know if anyone, anyone follows me on linkedin or i'm a big fan of, of servant leadership in particular of, of greenleaf you know, i think the uh, the agile community didn't do servant leadership justice um, really I keep going back to that, and I know I have other, other friends who do who do the same. I think it's a really powerful thing if only it's properly under, understood. Um, it's kind of the heyday of you know certain schools of systems thinking. Um, Stafford Beer was doing a viable system model at the time. You know all all this kind of stuff. There's some really amazing um, tools that um, you know perhaps were seen as only for the experts. You know, 40, 50 years ago. Um, but one of the you know the cool things that's happened in the last 20, 25 years is that there's that interplay between the product world and the process world. Yes. You know, we can um we can actually make these things accessible and usable. Um and you know, I take great pride in making uh, making these things accessible and, and usable or 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 borrowing from someone who's done that that hard work already, you know. Um and uh you know that's that's important. We need stuff that people engage with. I think you know it's um it's a gender shift is the opposite of the expert working out what's wrong with your organization and telling you how to fix it. Um, it's, it's about teaching the organization how to do that for itself. And you have to make these things um, that's, accessible. I, that's fascinating. I mean, I, I, one of the things I did think about agility and scrum um, amongst others is it is very accessible. Yeah. It is accessible for real people to, to get hold of it. Um, and I think that was liberating and refreshing, and it also mm-hmm. empowered people. But then somehow along the way, it got—I'm not going to say corrupted. It just got wrong. It went wrong. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen so many scrums and scrum masters just going through the motions, not yes. really doing it. Yes. Uh, do you feel then? And just listening to you, and I sometimes wonder about the agile world. And, you know, oh God, have we just, should we just give up? Have we really made a difference? <laughs> yeah. um, but now listening to you, I feel like there's a renaissance going on in the community uh, yeah i I think that's true um it was quite funny someone in a it was a meetup or a zoom call or something a few weeks ago described a gender shift as post agile and i was a bit shocked i didn't know what to you know do i want to you know am i am i saying i'm am i am i sort of you know um in some way you know saying that you know we should be putting agile behind us i'm not ready to say that yet um and um you know i think there's there's certain i think there's life to be breathed into it yet and even if they weren't i think it'd be wrong of us to just walk away from it away from it and pretend that it you know it wasn't interesting wasn't exciting that we didn't learn lots of amazing things in the process um so i hesitate to be uh labeled as post agile just yet um but then someone else said well you know that um what the the post label doesn't mean we're on to the next thing is that we're in a, a period of, of transition while we're working some some new things out mm. um, and if maybe finding some new fundamentals and a new some solid ground to work from that isn't just branded frameworks then I would be I would be thrilled you know um, yeah and this is why I keep using this word pluralist I'm deliberately using pluralist rather than agnostic you know it's not like we don't care <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the key. I mean, I, I yeah. deeply care. I really deeply care. Yes, yes. I want exactly. people to go to work. I want them to do great stuff. I want it to be fun. I mean, you spend a lot of time at work. Yes. There's no point going there being miserable, really. Yeah. Uh, and you don't want to go back from work thinking, what did you do today? Uh, well, yeah. not much. I think I, I emphasize meaning, meaningfulness rather than fun, but I, th- I think we're, we're possibly saying the same thing. Um, you know, if. Uh, 
Because I don't think make, making retrospectives more fun isn't 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 the solution to a problem. Uh, not not meaningful, you know. Uh, for example, um, um, maybe I go too far. Maybe I go too far the other way. But um, you know, I, I I do agree with you. We do spend a lot of time in work, and um, it, you know, I think it's great that the manifesto has you know the concept of sustainable pace in it, for example. Yeah, and um, going re you know finding again that sort of humane quality it's funny i am um, you know I, I i was very very much a techie a very very much a process per person um but the things that have got me got me the furthest in the last few years I and mean, maybe it started with the values thing but i'm continuing continuing that that tradition now is looking at the the humane things and the human level things and and so on um and, you know, i've been reading you know, in, in my research for the second edition, you'll know, be reading up about you know developmental organisations and so on, and um, thinking about the how, the, how that works, um, which is actually out, out of my comfort zone, and uh, not not for the people reason, but I'm um, you know it's based on develop um, on sort of developmental models of human development, uh, adult development, um, and um, I'm a bit um, allergic to maturity models. You know, a bit allergic to the idea that you know we all follow the same journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I read what's the book called? Uh, and, and everyone culture. It's uh, Keegan and and Co. And actually, a really uh, challenging book in a in an inspiring way. It was a good, a good kind of kind of challenging. Yeah. Um, you know, one that's taken me a bit out of my comfort zone. Um, and uh, you know, I've got a lot of, a lot of mileage out of servant leadership, but it's allowing allowing me to talk about you know human level stuff um that's not only about leadership and i think that's that that's really good um so yeah i'm sort of finding um it's like drilling boreholes in different places and finding you know a whole new set of uh, i'm sorry mixing metaphors here but you know finding uh, new foundations in different places yeah yeah so i mean the, the system stuff i worked hard at yeah, um, yeah. But the people stuff, um, I mean, the Stafford Beer stuff, I read a thousand pages of Stafford Beer for the VSM stuff <laughs> and distilled it into about three, um, which is, uh, you know, see, it, see how that goes down. Um, but yeah, putting out, you know, some serious probes in other directions as well. Um, and I'm grateful for, you know, for the people that have sort of pointed me in the right direction as well. I think people know what I'm likely to be allergic to or non-allergic to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um you know the uh, you know the whole social sciences and um, you know psychology field is sort of ridden with um, you know nonsense models that don't stand up to test yeah. testing. Um, so you know again, it's worth looking at the uh, finding out what has actually stood the test of time. Where's the hard work being done? Where has it been replicated by other people? You know all all that kind of stuff. I see. Um, yeah. I'm speaking to another Mike, uh, Mike Robinson. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And actually, we talk about you after we finish the podcast. <laughs> uh, he said lovely things about you, Mike. Um, and you know, he's a man of, who likes evidence. Oh my God, he likes evidence, and he reads yeah. studies uh, deeply. I, I, was, I was just interested about being out of comfort zones um, and agile in many ways. Sort of challenges old thinking. And, and, yeah. and do you actively go out of your comfort zones? You just find something. Oh, this is an area I wasn't expecting to be in. A bit uncomfortable, but that's fine. No, I, I I really do. You know, um, I I say I've, had a, I've I've gone through some seismic career changes. Yes. Uh, on on purpose. Yes. Um, not always knowing what was going to going to happen. So I've been a bit of a risk, risk taker in in that regard. Um, I did a I, I did the kind of when I was when I worked in an investment bank, I did the kind of work that nobody else wanted to do. Um, you know, people wanted to specialize in pricing and risk. You know, sort of sexy for them the sexy things. Yeah. And I did the front to back stuff, which actually helped me understand how the whole bank worked, you know, um, and, and that paid off. You know, I, I one department, I the department I joined, um, I did a tour of the bank. And 10 years later, I came back to run the department. <laughs> so something worked. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, um, I kind of um, it's a bit, I suppose it's a bit, a bit of double loop learning again. Um, every now and then I. I identify where my comfort zone is and I choose to work with people that have a perspective that's a bit different and will, will take me take me out of that a bit and encourage yeah. get them to 
recommend things for me to read and 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 that kind of thing it's very easy to get in a rut i mean i i possibly got in a you know process rut or a systems rut or an improvement rut mm. um and uh you know i've i've broadened out broadened out from that um a lot um and and yeah and you have you have you have to work at these things and i think um the the, the more perspectives you have the easier it is to write in a way where you don't make too many assumptions of the perspective of the reader yes. um, and that's part of making it uh making it making it accessible to people and i've you know i work with a diverse enough group of people that um you know, I think I have a good idea of what the audience looks like. Um, I hope so. Um, you know, again, <laughs> till you publish the thing, you never know. Well, I, 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 absolutely. I mean, and it is interesting when you look uh, through the LinkedIn, it is quite interesting, sort of blocks of, oh, there's that type of work, and then the consultancy associacy, associateness and the Kanban emerges, and then yes. the leadership emerges. And actually, you can almost see it coming through if you pay attention, which I certainly did. Yeah, I must say... Um, it's one of them. It's, it's like it's like a bit think sort of channeling Dave Snowden a bit. You know, if you if you look look back on it all, it sort of makes sense. <laughs> There's no way at the beginning of it you could have you could have uh, predicted. Where, well, obviously, if um if I could have predicted where I've got to, I would have just written the book ten years ago. So uh, you know, just life just doesn't uh, life just doesn't work. Like that. No, you uh, you yeah you have to do the learning, and the learning involves wrong turns and failed experiments and all all those all those other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my career has been perfectly adapted to get me where I am now. Um, so, <laughs> um, I, I wondered then, and I hate these questions where they say, if you could just do one thing or name the top 10 albums, because I hate that because I can't name yeah. 10 albums or one thing. But if you were to go back to your younger self, given now all you know, all the things you've experienced and, as the new agilist who can only do one thing, is if there's just one thing you could do just to make life around you in the workplace just a bit better the next day, what do you think it would be? Yeah, um, I actually do have an, an answer to that. Yeah, goodness gracious. <laughs> you know, I think, in, uh, I think I might have said in Kanban from this side, if I had a time machine. Yeah, okay. You know, yeah. yeah, so uh, it was to turn all my reports upside down. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna have to. Walk so is, that, is that right to left thing again? You know, I I remember when uh, you know I used to have one to. I, I I one of the most enjoyable times of my career was when I was a manager of managers. Yes. Um. You know, and um. You know, I would talk to team leads or or, or managers of team leads about you know what was happening within their worlds. Yeah. And we go through the list of stuff. Um. But our, we we worked off a tracking system, and that tracking system always spit out reports that um, showed things in life cycle order. So we always started with the stuff that we hadn't started yet. Um, and we finished on the stuff that, that had just been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, if I could have re reversed that order, do things in right to left order, upside down in this case, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it would have been so much better. And instead of, it, it would feel a lot like, why haven't you started that? Why haven't you started that? Why haven't you started that? And instead, well, um, what do we learn from that experience? Is that thing that we think is done going to stay done? You know, and 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 so on. You know, in a, in a way, it would be doing Kanban without the Kanban board or before Kanban was even a thing. Yeah. You know, going to, to my, you know, way before my, my Kanban days. Um, and, um, you know, focusing on... That's him again. Focusing on, yeah, focusing on, on the learning and working backwards um, is... Uh, is what I would do differently. It's not that I. It's not that I wanted to push work onto people and overburden teams and so on. But it's so easy for, you know, the protocols, meeting designs, all those kinds of things to, in, to, however unintentionally, enforce bad behaviours. And you know, if I could go back and fix a few of those, um, you know, the world would be a slightly better place for a few people. I suspect I hear the clickety clank of many people now adjusting their Trello boards. <laughs> well, uh, if, if they've learned to review their Trello boards right to left, then, then, then they're fine, you know, and um, in, in that as a reminder of a great book that they can buy. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, that, was one of the, that was really the inspiration. Yeah, the, the practice was yeah. the inspiration for the book, but the book is much more than the practice. You know, it's, um, it's, it's making that a whole guiding principle you know not just of how you you review your work but how you it's a, it's a, it's a stance you know we start with outcomes start needs and outcomes first everything else falling into line behind it um is is the bigger message of of the book um, yeah. 
when we talk about things in ABN Towers, I mean, actually, by nature, towers, they're like, what are they trying to do? Why are they trying to do before we get into the grubby, the real work? The real yeah. Yes. Like, that has yes. to be done. Yeah, actually, a lot, a lot of the agenda shift stuff is, um, you know, certainly the front end parts of agenda shift, it's like better ways of asking the why question. Um, no one likes the why question, so um, we do it a bit more subtly, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. So when, when, when you've got that, you know, then what happens? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's just happened before you need that thing, um, you know, um, and you're exploring the space around the thing in a way that uh, helps, you do, helps you do a better job. You know, I, I can... I. I um, had a very frustrating experience on the trading floor. I, I was a desk developer for a while so, you know, in, my, in my varied career. So a desk developer on the trading floor. And um, I worked for a very secretive trader. Right. Who, and I would he would never tell me whether the thing I was about to build was something quick and dirty needed like this afternoon or um, something that I'd be using as a platform for the next thing. And I would always get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> So knowing that knowing the space around around the, the solution, the space around the problem, the space yeah. around the needs actually really, really important, you know, and you know, learning a few tools for exploring that space is really, really helpful. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, we're in a lot of change now. Uh, so I think a lot of people will be thinking about outcomes and what they're gonna do and how they're gonna adapt quickly. Yeah. Um, is that good news for you? It's it's certainly part of you know, part of what we're trying to is trying to trying to do um you know go back to the with the meaningful word you know um i i for me began to work at home sitting in my studio yeah. being close to my my daughter who has complex needs all the rest of it that's actually been really cool yeah um but i appreciate that for you know perhaps 90 percent population is, is not cool at all no. um and um there's a risk that you know with people you know working from there you know an you know uncomfortable table in the corner of their bedroom and feeling disconnected from their colleagues that the work has got actually less meaningful than it was mm. a year ago interesting yeah and um again you know if, if people can find ways to connect to the meaning of the work then um that's better for everybody you know that's better for um you know the customer who gets what they needed whether, whether or not it was what they asked for, but guess what they needed. It's better for the organization because they've got happier customers and, and happier staff, the, the people themselves. It's, 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 again, I'm not going to overgeneralize. It doesn't work for everybody, but most of us are motivated by the idea that we're solving a real problem for somebody else, that's going to meet, that it's going to meet a need and, and all the rest of it. Um, I, I found in my own career, coming up with exciting ideas of things to build is fun for a while and then the novelty really wears off. Yeah. You know, without, without feedback, it gets really boring really quickly. <laughs> you know, you think, you think, oh, it's, what a luxury, I can do what I want. And um, it's, it, it, it'll kill you if you're not careful. <laughs> Nothing worse than a blank page in my view. Oh my no, no. So, Mike, thank you so much. And, and I hope that um, there's a lot of Scrum Masters have picked up so much insight from you there's lots of ceos thinking aha uh -huh, this is the thing i need um when's your forecast for your book <laughs> good good word um so where are we now near, near the end of november um i am hours of work away from having a complete decent first draft um still some figures to finish and things like that um but uh, well before Christmas, it'll it'll be going to the publishers for you know all, all that bit. So it'll be at the ninety percent of the work done, half oh. the frustration still to come stage. Um, so sometime in Q one. Um, so okay. it, it it does take a few weeks to do all the uh, the production work. Yeah. Um, but it'll be there, uh, print and ebook, uh, all the usual formats. Yeah. Um, I don't plan an audio book of the agenda shift book. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, this I hope will be the one. You know, I don't. I'm not saying I, I know it's going to be a bestseller, but I mean, I, I think this will be the book I'll be the most proud of when it's finished. Um, you know, I'm setting the bar very high for myself, and I've got a great team of people that are helping me. Um, um, you know, in terms of um, reading, reviewing, spotting the gaps. The hardest thing to to the hardest kind of mistake to fix or to, to, to catch is, is the things you've missed. 
And so it's making sure it flows well. There's not any obvious gaps in logic. There aren't any things going unacknowledged that I should be acknowledging and, and, and so on. Um, but I think it's looking good. I'm, I'm excited about it. I don't mind saying. <laughs> I mean, and will that be the last book, do you think? <laughs> interesting i i thought that the three were these three i actually do have an i shouldn't i, I don't know if i should admit to it now but i, I think there may be a fourth um so what's um one idea i had for this book was that it would be um it, it would be sort of dotted to dotted through it would be case studies experience reports and so on um i'm thinking now that a fourth book that is actually much more a collaborative community-driven effort uh, might be the better idea but using the um, perhaps the structure of the last couple of chapters um, to drive it so um, it'll probably have a wholehearted in the title I please do I love so that it one. might be the wholehearted book yes yeah, so, so we're in we're in the business of building wholehearted organizations and a book that actually shows some examples of what that what's that like and how that can work would be a cool thing I think I think you're absolutely right yeah I, I'm, I'm, well, I'm looking forward to book three, and I'm looking forward to book four. So don't give up, please, please, please. please, please. <laughs> um, and and Mike is so well connected. I have to imagine the team is extremely talented as well to to help you. So, uh, Mike, thank you so much. Um, I'm hoping people will come to the website. They can get it at Agenda Shift when it comes out in Q1. All other good bookshops, I'm sure, as well. If someone was to say, "I love you, Mike," and send you an email, could they get a signed copy, perhaps? I'm sure they could. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, thank you so much. Been inspirational. I'm excited, and I'm also quite more confident listening to you about our future for Agile and Lean. So, thank you very, very much for that. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. If you need to get hold of Mike, go to agendashift.com. Is there any other ways they can get hold of you, Mike? That's the best way. I mean, um, they'll find find me, find links to the community, the Slack, the Slack group, the LinkedIn group, all all that stuff, the mailing list. Um, it's all it's all there. We'll put some links at the bottom of this uh, and uh, links to the books, of course. Uh, and uh, if you'd like to talk to me as well, uh, you can get hold of me at ian.gill at agilitybymage.com or just LinkedIn. I'll talk to almost anybody, as Mike knows. Um, it's been a joy, Mike. Thank you so much. And I'm now going to have to put the dog out and do some walking because he's looking like it needs some exercise. Thank you so much. My pleasure. See you. Yeah.